Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hollywood Haymaker Podcast. I am Dustin Dubuque. I'm John Hanson. And we are back, enjoying enjoying life, ready for Captain Marvel after weeks of us talking about how excited we were. That, yep. uh, that's the main review, plus a bunch of other stuff. But it is funny that the last podcast we talked about, Will Smith not playing Deadshot, Suicide Squad, and then that right. very day, <laughs> I, I like get, what, probably four hours after we recorded, I sit down at my computer, and then boom, Idris Elba cast his Deadshot. I'm like, well, <laughs> we just threw yeah. that conversation away. Idris Elba, he's pretty good. Um, I don't know. I would have been fine with no Deadshot in the movie, to be honest with you. Okay. But whatever. I love Idris sure Elba, though. I'm sure it'll be an enjoyable movie. Yeah. Idris Elba makes me happy. So I was I was excited for that. Well, and then the other big thing was Suicide Squad. It's amazing, which we talked about. It. I think it's the whole James Gunn thing. Uh, James Gunn and Batista, because, you know, Batista was, like, his one big backer of, you know, when he got fired. You right. know, he was pretty outspoken, I think, about I think I think most of the cast of Guardians were, yeah. were pretty much on sure. the side, right? But Batista didn't stop. Like, remember, <laughs> he was the one that said he was not going to be in Guardians three because of he was the one like that said he. I'm like, yeah, you're not. They'll gonna, still make the movie. With yeah, <laughs> a, I think he probably realized that. Like, you're you'll just be recast. It's not right. a big deal. And then he was like, you know, that Marvel check. I I I, I should just take it. Yeah. And I don't think James Gunn's gonna be like. They hey, called his bluff. Hey Dave, don't. Don't take the Marvel payoff. Um, but I guess um, James Gunn is in talks with Batista to play a character in Suicide Squad. Okay. And it would be Peacemaker? Do you know who that is? No. Okay. Big big, big character then, I'm assuming. <laughs> so that was what I read today. And I was like, okay. Well, that's, that's interesting. Oh, the other thing I want to talk about, and I want to talk about this a few weeks ago, and there's a little more... Um, on the news, but I'm just interested in uh, what you have to say. So remember that Alita Battle Angel movie that came out a couple weeks ago? Barely. Yeah, right. The movie that was literally billed and promoted as you must see this in the theater because it looks so amazing. I mean, that's literally what the trailer told you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Plus, they get more money that way. It's true, but it's like the best viewing experience since Avatar. And it's like, <laughs> so, A, I want to talk about that. Well, and then the other thing is they said that it's probably not going to be a sequel because it didn't make enough money. Sure. Um, which is not a surprise to me. I don't know. Of course, the overseas money is way bigger than here. Mm-hmm. I guess we know that. But that was the thing I wanted to talk about was the fact that that's your seller. Like, you're a big 3D movie guy. You like the spectacle and the way it, all that. Yep. So when a movie literally sells you or is trying to sell you on just hey, this is amazing to look at in a big screen with glasses on. Come see it. Does that actually work? No. Um, actually, when I saw the trailers for this, it pretty much it pretty much looked like a movie that would be a fun 3D visual kind of movie. But the reason why I wasn't really interested in it was because the story just looked like the same old story that we've seen a million times. And I don't want to sit through that for two hours. I don't care how good looking it is. Well, There's got to be some kind of hook or, or story or something that's interesting that's new and different. And and that was my thought behind it. I was like, how many people like? Isn't it wasn't it the big? And again, using Avatar literally in the trailer as the as the selling point. Wasn't that the problem with Avatar? Is that everybody went looked good, 
what was a lackluster story. Like that was the problem with it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I did enjoy uh, avatar, but that was, I think because it was the first film I saw with the new style 3d. So that, I mean, I was kind of blown away by that, but I mean, you know, there's been hundreds of them now and I'm kind of more used to it. Right. So the idea of another movie that's in 3d, I want a story and 3d and 3d. Yeah. And that's good. That's what I want to know because I, it's just, that's, the part of Hollywood that I just, I hate is that's your seller. Right. Uh, and then the other thing I heard about it, again, I had no interest. I mean, there's, there's very few like pretty big budget movies, you know, that come out that I mean, I live zero interest in. Like at some point I think like, okay, sure. That one, I mean, I never gave it one thought of, I should watch this. Yeah. I, I did never will. Mm-hmm. Even, even again, just because, um, even when it comes out on DVD, would you, I mean, you, if if they released it on 3D here in America, I would probably buy it. But um, it's not they they don't really release movies on 3D in America anymore. You got to import them now. Right. So I probably I'll probably just miss it altogether. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, yeah. Home home 3D viewing. I just don't think caught on the way they thought it was going to. No, it didn't. I, I'm I got a 3D TV, obviously, but um, I don't know too many people who do. I remember when that, like that year where 3D TV was the new thing. I know somebody else who has one, and she's admitted that, I think, you know, the first like six months she got it, she was watching a lot. And then she probably said she has probably watched 3D in like two years. Oh, I still do. Um, every once in a while, I'll order a movie, a 3D movie. I just ordered myself um, a copy of Brave in 3D. I oh, didn't watch it yet, but that probably looked good. In 3D. I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I haven't seen it yet, so. Have you seen the movie before at all? No. I always wanted to, and I never got around to it. So I finally, I ordered the 3D Blu-ray, yeah, and yeah. I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, here. I think Brave's okay, but it looks great. I oh mean, yeah, it, it, I think in 3D, watching her red hair fly all over the place is gonna be the coolest part. Oh yeah, a lot of these movies are fun in 3D. I not too long ago I saw Oz the Great and Powerful. Oh yeah, which is probably not a great movie, but in 3D it's really fun. It's better, yeah. yeah, it's really fun. It's more fun. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. That's that's what I want to know. So. We might as well dive right in uh, to uh, Captain Marvel. I know last week we talked a little bit about the Rotten Tomatoes thing. So uh, as a segue into that, uh, there's an article that came out. Rotten Tomatoes, uh, the night of Captain Marvel's release, there was 35,000 user reviews for Captain Marvel that had it at like a 33%. I think you sent me that. Yeah. And uh, that weekend, Rotten Tomatoes dropped from 35,000 user reviews and purged it down to 7,000 that they found were actual legit reviews. How do they decide? I, I don't, I, they, they said there's a, there's like a formula that they use and how they figured it out. And they think, you know, bot accounts and stuff. They can obviously tell that type of stuff too, or like the way the account is and stuff. I don't know. So after filtering it to 7,000, it was still at 35% at that time, <laughs> but okay. now it is, I did write it down. Uh, Captain and Marvel going into right now, it's seventy nine percent critics, sixty three percent audience. Wow! So that's so it, it raised quite a bit, considering it already started yeah. with seven k, um, seven thousand views. And I think I, when I was on this morning, it was about fifty to sixty thousand user scores on there. Um, so it did. I mean, that's a double jump. That's pretty good. I was afraid that. I mean, it wouldn't have done that if they would have kept the thirty five thousand that were already there. It would probably been at mid forties, maybe not even probably low forties. So yeah, that's where it sits at. On Rotten Tomatoes, and it's already made 400. And, oh, actually, I just read it. says 490 million, but I think that was yesterday. I think it's over 500 million worldwide now. So, I mean, pretty big first five days. 
Cool. That's a surprise. So, I guess I'll let you take it away of the synopsis and what's going on for Captain Marvel. Um, yeah, I went in. I think I was I was pretty hyped for this movie, especially coming off of Infinity War. Um, I loved Infinity War. I think it's easily the best Marvel superhero movie. And the way they ended that one with that final little tag to kind of tease the Captain Marvel character, um, I was really excited and I've been really looking forward to, you know, what's going to come next in the Marvel Universe. So I went in with pretty high expectations. And the trailer looked good, too. So um, for me, I think I might have been a little overhyped. Um, it didn't live up to my expectations. Um, I thought uh, it was... I, didn't, I just didn't find the story that interesting. I thought the character wasn't that interesting. Um, the action scenes seemed really short. The the humor that they tried to use, I thought, was oftentimes really childish. And um, I just I just didn't love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I came in, uh, you know, I, I I went in with higher expectations than I usually do. I think for a Marvel movie. I mean, you've talked openly about this for months that we were both very excited. Um, yeah, I, I came out very middle of the road on it. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't dislike it. There's parts I disliked. I was like, okay. But then there was some stuff I did like, and I was like, this is good. But, I mean, I, I, as I was sitting there before we get into kind of like the point of the movie and stuff, um, you know, the movie's two hours and ten minutes long, and it took me a solid 45 minutes to, like, even connect with anything that was going on. I, I noticed it. I mean, 40 minutes in, I was like, Oh gosh, this needs to pick up. I need to get. Yeah. I need to start feeling this because as of now, I'm not sold on anything that's going on. Mm-hmm. And then it started to catch me a little bit once it started to open up. You know, it, again, Marvel puts themselves into a corner with so many of these movies. It's like the amount of things that they have to hit all the time. It's an origin story, so we have to have that. Like we haven't seen that a bajillion times. It's another superhero where they literally shoot certain colored stuff out right. of their hands, which I can't watch anymore. I mean, it the seems, whole time you're it watching... It's very generic for a superpower. It really does. I mean, literally, you're like... So it's the same superpower as Iron Man, just different color. I mean, that's what it is. It reminds me just of how Iron Man shoots. I'm like, there's nothing At least here. Iron Man is like a human that built a suit, and you can right. kind of relate. and It's a little bit grounded in some sort of reality, but... That's a problem also that I have with the superheroes like Thor, um, of the ones that aren't... That are technically... Aliens is the wrong word, but not from this planet. Right. It's harder to connect with them because the first 20 minutes are always on some planet with ridiculous costumes, mm-hmm. ridiculous people, and they're talking about stuff that you have. It's just made up gibberish. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, I can't connect with any of this because it's not grounded in reality. Yeah. And then, uh, but yeah, so I, I, I also agree, I agree. I might have actually, the way we'll find out later, I might have liked it a little more than you did, but I can't say that I um, fell in love with it at all. Yeah, that's kind of where I was at. Um, I I also was a little bummed out about, like, you know, without giving it away, but they, they do show how... I was going to say, I think what we should do again, we should, at the end of the episode, we might spoil some stuff, because there's stuff I want to talk about. Yeah. Well, there's not a lot here to spoil, but it's enough to take away some of the movie. But I, at the end, I do want to talk about a few things. Sorry. Yeah, they, they show how Nick Fury loses his eye in this movie. Which we don't need. It Well, it would have been fine if it, if it was something uh, meaningful or cool. I mean, Nick Fury... 
his character, he he was like a former military guy, and he's now he's got this patch on his eye, and you assume, you assume he lost his eye during combat or something. But in this movie, they show, and it's kind of stupid, so I didn't like that. Um, they also show why the team is called the Avengers, which I thought was really dumb and re- felt really forced. And that's the thing is, it, it, it is that type of thing, or the Marvel part where so uh, Annette Benning's character is named Marvel. That's from the comic. Yeah, and that's fine. But then they have the little side conversation of, oh, Marvel, like Nick Fury says it. And she's like, no, it's Marvel. No. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. Oh, gosh, that's a joke we don't need. That's so on the nose. I'm just like, yeah, I agree with I agree with the ones you said, too. Um, but I guess we should talk quick. Do you want to give the background of Captain America and how it, or Captain America, uh, Captain Marvel and how it goes? Are we the, like the plot? The, the plot, yeah. The thin plot well, that it is. It's basically about the uh, the scrolls are fighting with the Kree. They're these two alien races, and um, I don't know. Captain Marvel is kind of she. She's she ha- is a Kree. It, she's she's having these flashbacks in the movie yep. of this woman who yep. she doesn't know who she is or why she why she's important to her or whatever. But you kind of learn that. Um, the the woman is Marvel, who in the comic is actually a, a male character. But yeah, whatever. that's what I that's what I read. Yeah, um, yeah. The thing I read too, just because you just said it was, uh, it was kind of neat. Like they didn't switch the character when you you know. Of course, you read the headline; they switched it to a woman. Then everybody's just like, "Oh, oh, they switched it to a woman just cause." Actually, the quote that the uh, directors gave was, "They had men cast, and they they thought every single time it was just weird." And they're like, it's so weird. That it's, and they're like, it just doesn't feel right to have a man in this role. And then they were like, well, let's just try a woman once. Mm-hmm. And then they threw a, you know, a stand-in before they had a net bedding. And, mm-hmm. and then they were just like, oh, that just feels better. And then that's just how they... So, so there wasn't like a, a major agenda behind it. They right. literally just had casting. They were like, this just doesn't feel right in the movie. Yeah. And they switched it. And they're like, okay, this is better. I was fine with it. Uh, uh, who cares? But uh, yeah, so she, she kind of... It kind of comes out that Annette Benning's character, Marvell, was working on some sort of project. I don't even know what it was. Sci-fi nonsense. <laughs> I love that. She had t-shirts. Sci-fi nonsense. Yeah. It was. What, what was it? I don't, even... I, I, I don't even know. It was sci-fi nonsense. Nobody yeah. really, they didn't really go into it, like, of, of what she was fully doing. It was something to do with solving this war, though, right? Right. So that she knew about, and that's the reason why she, because she was a pilot. So that's what you learn that Brie Larson's character yeah. was like in her mind. She's having these dreams that of this pilot school, and she crashes, and she keeps seeing all this. She has no idea why. She does right. not know what this is. Right. Um. So that's kind of we learn that Benning's character is, is she's she's trying to get these like specialty jets or whatever because she knows that there's a war going on mm-hmm. up in the up in the sky that nobody else is aware of, but they all know that she's super smart. It was weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at some point she crashes on, on Earth uh, inside of a Blockbuster store. That's what you learned in 1995. <laughs> like, yeah. Is the, they, they did have some fun 90s references. They were I felt they were a few and pretty brief, though. But. Good. I was afraid. When they hit Blockbuster, and I was like, interesting. And then they had about three other ones, like, back to back to back. I went, no, <laughs> don't do it. Don't hit them back to back to back to back. And they, they, they kept them pretty short, which was good. 
Yeah, so so Shield Finder, and we got a young Nick Fury. He got his eye. Oh, it's so weird to see Samuel L. Jackson like looking young. I thought he was fine, but you know which one threw me off, and this might be a bit of a spoiler. Uh, well, you can pretty much guess if it's Shield, it's Coulson. Yeah, right. Um, but they got him made up to look a lot younger, and yeah. I, I thought it looked like he was wearing makeup. Oh, totally. <laughs> Totally wearing makeup. He looked like he was like he woke up that morning, put, looked in the mirror, put makeup on his face to look younger. Look, look younger, totally. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I but agree. that was kind of distracting. It was. Yeah, so they find her, and she's um. There, the scrolls have the ability to like shape shift, which was cool. Yeah, I like the shape. I mean, I like the fact that they all have to do is see someone. Yeah. To shape shift into them. Yeah. Love that. I think that's great. Yeah, the scrolls are are in the comics. They're they're a pretty major deal in the Marvel okay. universe. So it's it was kind of cool that they finally showed up in a movie. They should have probably been in the first Avenger movie, to be honest with you. Sure. Um, whatever. We finally got them. Yeah, and I think uh, you know it's coming from a guy who has no idea what they are. Um, I thought the scrolls to me might have been the most interesting part of the entire movie. Because yeah. um, there's of course uh, was it Talon Talos or yeah, something? Yeah, Talos. He's played by Ben Mendelsohn. He's he to me is the best part of the movie. I thoroughly enjoyed his character and the point of what the scrolls are doing. And for me, the, for me, the best part of the movie was the Stanley cameo. Uh, it was my, <laughs> it was my favorite Stanley cameo. Really? Nothing. It's a throwaway Stanley cameo. Wait, I don't know. I don't, minute, I don't, I don't have a minute. connection. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give what, away what it is. Right. Because it, it would be a spoiler. But it was my favorite Stanley cameo, and I think that Dustin didn't get it. And we'll talk about it later at the end of the show. I, when we do our spoilers. I mean, if it's a Marvel-related reason why I wouldn't get it, then I wouldn't get it. We'll talk about it at the end. Yeah, we'll throw it at the end. Okay. Yeah, so pretty much we figure out that she's on Earth. It's like 1985, and people start to realize that she actually... They, she's pretty much putting the pieces together of her memories that she has. And she learns that she was a pilot six years ago who died in this crash. They, or at least people thought. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much the story of trying to figure out why she's having the memory she is. She goes and meets her old pilot friend, um, which the name always escapes me. It's the reason why uh, Maria Rambo. Oh, right, yeah. You know, and uh, so they're trying to piece the parts together of why she is, why she's alive. That's where they're in, uh, like, Louisiana, right? Like, the backwoods of Louisiana or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which were a couple of the better, more interesting scenes, I thought, when her friend showed up. Um and, I mean, then it just goes to where you want it to go. I mean, she needs to figure out her memories. She needs to stop the war. She needs to figure out who actually tried to kill her, which is pretty obvious from about the first 10 seconds of the movie who that was. Um, I thought the cool part was is how she got her powers. There's this, you know, in the, in the planes that crash in her memory, there's a core, um, which is like sci-fi, again, more sci-fi nonsense to use your term. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what they want. Uh, the bad guy that we can't, we won't tell you now. And uh, she shoots it to get her powers. I think that's a cool scene where she like just slow motion gets blown up and the powers kind of enter her body. And again, it's just blue stuff. <laughs> and that's all she shoots throughout the movie is blue stuff from her hands, which is really lame. It's just yeah. same old, same old. Like yeah. I feel bad. I don't want to, I don't want to think it's same old, but it totally is. Yeah, it just felt like kind of a flat movie. Um, yeah. You know, if this one had come out along 
long time ago. It, it would just, I'm sure I would have forgotten about it by now. It'd be one of the ones you don't need to see. Right. Um, but, you know, it's the latest chapter in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which, um, you know, obviously there's a huge fan base, so obviously this movie's going to make a lot of money no sure. matter what. But and, it's I, the, and it's the movie before Endgame. Right. I mean, that movie, and, you know, they, like you said, they teased... Captain Marvel. I thought that was kind of a little cute, kind of how they got around the how she gets called by Nick Fury and gives him the pager. And they kind of well, I knew that scene would be in here. So, of course, yeah. but I thought the way they did it, I'm like, okay, that makes total sense. They didn't just throw it in. I mean, there's a whole point of the pager in the '90s, and she's like, don't use this ever unless you need something. It's emergency. So I thought that was good. I thought that they tied it in good. I was expecting it honestly just to be one of the cutscenes. I was honestly expect I wasn't expecting me I was expecting to be a throwaway at the end where they're like, here's how they did it. And it was, but they didn't. They actually integrated it into the story, which I was one of the things I didn't roll my eyes at, unlike some of the other Marvel stuff that they always have to do. But again, and then and then it, I didn't dislike Brie Larson as this. I mean, she was fine. I mean yeah, she was her fine. character is written to be kinda nothing. Yeah. I mean they kind of explain her character a little bit, that she's like, you know, she's a go-getter, but she's really stubborn and do whatever she wants, but she's still likable, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just flat. Yeah. And, and the other things around her are more, less, are more interesting. Like, Ben Mendelsohn and Skrull, I think her friend um, is good, too. Mm-hmm. And then there's a cat that shows up that... What did you think of the cat? I... I thought it was, yeah, I didn't care for The it. cat, for one part, was funny. Like, the one scene you in get. The, when they were going in the jet or whatever really fast? Yeah, that was cute. That was cute, yeah. And then and then after that, when the cat stayed, you're like, well, we get it. We know what's going to happen here. Yeah. And then it just kept going. I'm like, okay, we're done. We're mm-hmm. done with the cat. Let's stop. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's, it, and then it gets to the end, and... You get the same, again, just to go on the same old, same old, you just get the same. It was so dark. Every scene in the last 20 minutes was darkness. Same fight scene in a dark, dark room. And the only things that aren't dark are the blue sword blade and the uh, blue on the person's gun and then Brie Larson's powers. Ugh. Just, I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, most of the people that I have talked to that have seen this, um, didn't love it and to be honest with you i think the, the 30 percent that it was getting on Rotten tomatoes from audiences was based on what i'm hearing <clears throat> around <clears throat> around me the 30 percent seems a little more accurate than the 60 percent see but you, you gotta think like i mean if you had your vote and it's it's literally you know Rotten tomatoes is yes or no you know it's fresh or rotten um same with like roger e- Siskel and Eber, it was thumbs up thumbs down there's mm-hmm. no in between you had to say yes or no I would say sure. Like, I wouldn't give it a rotten score. I mean, yeah. so I think that I think that's where you're getting the sixty percent. I think a lot of I, people just are like, I give it. I give it the thumbs down just because I don't. I, I wouldn't want to have to sit through it again. No, you know, no. But I was. So, I think there was enough. Uh, There's enough here for me that I would give it a fresh, like, barely okay. rating. Again, I liked. I liked the. I liked the scrolls, and I liked. Nick Fury here and there, and I thought the way they tied it in was okay. But other than that, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that was just so bland. And like I said, the first 45 minutes just killer, killer to me. I was like, I care nothing. 
I'm like, please, please get me in. And they did get me a little bit back into it. And we'll spoil some at the end. There's not a lot here to say. Oh, and Jude Law is completely, like, wasted in this. Like, he shows up. I didn't know Jude Law was even in it. And I'm like, oh, I, I, I understand your character arc in the first time you talk. Yeah, he's like a Cree that, uh, he's the one at the beginning who's, like, training, um, he's, he's training, uh, Carol Danvers, right. Captain Marvel, on how to use her powers, and I think that's uh, kind of where, um, you know, a lot of people have accused this movie of being, like, uh, like a feminist movie, because he's the one that's, like, teaching her how to, to re- sort of restrain her powers and not, <clears throat> not fully use her powers, and accuses her of being emotional, letting her emotions get the best of her and stuff like that. And I think over the course of the film, she kind of realizes that she can just use her powers how she wants and stuff like that. Right. And, you know, so I think that's maybe where the, the, fem- the people think it's like. Yeah, and it really wasn't overall. Like, uh, you know, again, it, people put tags on a movie they never watched, but they saw the first female superhero movie and they were just like, oh, it's a fem- it's, it wasn't that bad. I mean, you know, it's. I, I, didn't, the, I didn't think about it while watching it, but there I, was one scene that I really actually like. Probably my favorite scene that was a little "quote unquote" feminist is, is in her memory. She keeps showing how she gets like knocked to the ground, or she's failing. You know, like she she falls, she gets beat up by like her brother, and then she falls like in a sporting event, and then of course it ties into the movie where she gets beat up and she hits the floor. And then it cuts back to all those scenes. It shows her standing up and standing up and standing up from her fails. And then mm-hmm. she stands up in the Captain Marvel suit. And I was like, that's good. I'm like, I like that. That's your kind of feminist hit of, you know, she'll get knocked down and get back up thing. And I was like, that's good. And then other than that, I'm like, I thought it went pretty smooth. Like, it wasn't like they were thrown in your face. Because, you know, before you saw the movie, that's what you would think. Uh, the way... Uh, Hollywood and people were talking about it, but mm-hmm. no. So I thought that they at least uh, did an okay job with that. But yeah, for me, again, we'll spoil a little bit at the end. I don't think there's a lot. Um, maybe we'll talk about how uh, our feelings of a few other things. Uh, we'll spoil at the end of the episode and give you a warning. But yeah, I'll give it a light, light, gracious, fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Just I think I think you can skip it. Um, I don't think you're gonna miss anything by not watching this movie. Um, it really doesn't advance the whole sort of Marvel cinematic universe plot. Um, it's really just the introduction to this Captain Marvel character. Who's fairly bland, fairly bland, which is too bad. Um, yeah, you know, it, it is, I was excited. Oh, and her, uh, her, and her suit when she's in space, she has the helmet with the, mm-hmm. this terrible. It looks terrible. I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be her face or some sort of. Is there a thin a thin layer? Over I know her face? it looks horrible. And then the hair, the mohawk, the blonde hair into a mohawk. Yeah, but that's not how her hair is. Right. So it's not like it's her hair pushed through this to create a mohawk. It's just there. It's like an old Spartan helmet. Right. Oh, when when she hit that, I was like, that was. That's from the comic. Uh, grossly right. unnecessary. Yeah. It just, it looked, you know, that adds to like stupid little things that, you know, are what they are. So yeah, so we're a little, we're pretty blonde, Captain Marvel, just too bad. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how she ties in to Endgame now, you know? Yeah. Maybe it was just, um, you know, Thor came back after a pretty mediocre start. Like, for, you know, the first Thor movie was fine, you know, and the second one wasn't great. 
Here's what I'm hoping to see in Endgame. This is not what's going to happen, but I would love it. Because since they've, they've built her up as, like, they're talking about her, she's the most powerful in the universe. And I, I think most of us agree we don't really like this character. But they've built her up as the most powerful. So I would love to see a scene in Endgame where Captain, Amar, uh, Captain America and, and Black Widow are like, all right, we got the secret weapon. She's right here, Captain Marvel. She flies off screen after Thanos. We just hear like a crunching noise, and her corpse just comes skidding oh, across the ground. Come on. <laughs> Can't do that now after the buildup in the movie right before. And Endgame's already already shot and finished, so yeah, they can, had no you idea. You could do reshoots. They had, yeah, with a month left. <laughs> Good luck. Because now they look, it's like, <laughs> what are we going to do now? Well, but it's like anything, though. I, I, again, I, I don't know how much weight needs to put, be put into that for it is tough. I think it would have been tough for any character, no matter how... If Even if this movie was spectacular. You know, we've had 10 years with Iron Man, what, 8 years with Captain America, 8 years with Thor. Though, you know... I don't want 10 years of Captain Marvel. Yeah, but but I'm just saying, like, it, it, even if even if Captain Marvel is great, you still only have one movie in one month with her before she jumps into the final. Like, the, the final part of this phase. Yeah, you know, she, you I heard that she get signed a, like a nine-picture deal. Well, nine pictures technically only means probably like two or three Captain Marvel movies. That, that, that Well, yeah, I know, but I mean, she's going to be in all the other ones. Yeah, I mean, they put the money into her. You can't just stop it. I wish they would. But it's one movie. Did you say that after Thor? I mean, the first Thor was pretty mediocre. I thought it was, it was fine. What about the second one? Second one I didn't like. Well, did you say that with Thor? You said we should crunch him up and get rid of him? No. Because okay. the character's still fine. Captain Marvel's fine. She, I don't think she got enough to do here. I think they can write her better. I, you know, well, I mean, that's the reason why Ragnarok went over so well. People thought the first Thor was fine. People didn't like the second one. I think people usually generally say that the second one's probably the worst one in this series of movies. And um, then Ragnarok comes around and, oh, it's he's a little happier. He makes jokes. He's a little less wooden. You well, know, I thought Thor was Marvel. good in the first Thor when... Um, he's, you know, he came to Earth and he was kind of a fish out of water and he didn't understand. Sure. Like, he goes to that bar and he drinks his drink and then he slams the cup on the ground and shatters it and says, I'll, I'll take another. You know, that's how he behaves in his world. And it's sure. kind of funny to see him as a fish out of water. And he goes outside and there's cars and things. He doesn't know what they are. I enjoyed Thor. Yeah, and again, Thor is the first movie where that happens. And that was the one thing about this movie. Another trope that I just was done with with the superhero thing is the superheroes that aren't from Earth that come down and we have to get that part of them not understanding what's going on. I, I've got it, what, in Thor, Doctor Strange to a point, Wonder Woman, I know it's not Marvel, but still she did it. And then here it's like, we get it, you're not from here. And we, get the, we get the commonalities if you're not understanding social norms and how it works and you know how you don't fit in. They didn't hit it as hard, but it's just another thing. That worked in Thor because it was the first time we'd seen it. But, I don't know, they can still fix it. You can't, you can't they, throw it away after one movie. Well, if, they're not gonna. So if, <laughs> if, if in Endgame, Captain Marvel shows up and she's like, I got this, I'm the leader now, I'm, you know, everyone get behind me, um, I'm gonna be bored. Well, uh, I mean, you would think that's gonna be it. I mean, these guys, I mean, if you, even if you look at the Endgame trailer when they're all, you know, that great scene of them all walking in a row, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like just destruction, they're all just disheveled and just Captain Marvel's not. 
And see, that's why that's why her character is less interesting. Like, there, it's more interesting to watch these characters that have, you know, weaknesses and things try to face these situations. And how are they going to do it? When when you watch the trailer and you see Black Widow and Captain America and they're looking at each other, and she says, "This is going to work, Steve." And he says, "Well, it it has to because I don't know what else we're going to do." Right. You feel like they're on their their, their last leg, you know, and it, you feel for them. But if Captain Marvel swoops up and she's like, oh, I, I got this. I got infinite power. I'll just blast them away. Guess what? <laughs> I'm going to go get a refill on my popcorn. Let me know when the movie gets no, interesting I again. Totally agree. Because that's always been my problem with Superman. I have never been able to get interested in Superman. It's hard to get interesting in a character with no weakness. Yeah. It's just not there. Yeah. What, and, and, and that is what a lot of people assume that Captain Marvel is going to be because they've made her out to be the strongest of the strong. Mm-hmm. And and so I do get it. If, if that is how it goes, uh, I'll be less satisfied with that because, uh, again, that's probably even why I like Batman vs. Superman, we've said this before, more than others because it showed Superman a little weak even though he's still Superman and even at the end they, he's still there and it's just like, of course... But that is the reason why I've never got into Superman. I'm like, okay, you literally can't be stopped. It's not even possible to, for me to believe that you can be stopped. That's Where, why. That's why I I would love to see Thanos just destroy Captain Marvel instantly. Maybe I mean, they will. Maybe it, they will. You think I'm joking? But honestly, you know, you've built this character up as being so powerful. Now, if you take that and transfer that into the villain, that might not actually be a bad it, idea. I don't think it is. You know, I I'm kind of half kidding, because I, I know they're not going to do it, but. Honestly, I think if you if you did that and you transferred that power into that villain now yeah. and showed that that villain is still more powerful than she is, now it's even more weight for these heroes, right. Captain America and and Black Widow and Iron Man. How are they going to come up and face that now? And, and would this be your problem with that? Is so say she comes in and two minutes into the fight scene, you know, she's just just beat up, destroyed. Maybe, you know, maybe not dead, but pretty much completely down. Right. How do they? If, if, if she's seen with the ending with Nick Fury calling her, then what is the um, even possibility that they can even beat Thanos then? Because well, if, if they end in game... If you can't use brawn, you got to use brains. Right. Ant-Man in the trailer, he had some sort of plan. Sure. Um, he had gone to the quantum realm. Yeah. Um, I think maybe there's something there where uh, you show that the smallest man uh, can, can, can defeat, you know... The, the worst the, idea. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, something on a quantum level could maybe sure. do it. Sure. I think, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a writer, so I don't know. That's you why these guys There has to be some scripts. sort of, I'm really, I'm really hoping that in Endgame there's some sort of swerve here. I, I really do. You know, I mean, I understand that they gave us that, you know, with the ending <clears> of Infinity War, you know, that people weren't expecting. But I really hope that they, even though this movie is supposed to make almost three hours long, that it isn't straight down the line of what we expect. Mm-hmm. Like, all these characters come in, Marvel jumps in, kind of gets them lift up, lifted up. They realize that, oh, she, they could follow her. They do a couple other things, say some jokes, boom, they fight Thanos, defeat him, and restore. Like, if that if that's the through line, like, that's fine, and I'm sure they'll make it better than most movies would, but it'd be really nice if they really threw something in there where it was just like, ooh, we still weren't expecting this. You know, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We got a month. Got a month until the big, until uh, the big reveal. So that's our thoughts. Um, what else did you see that you want to talk about? Um, well, we never did get around to talking about the gift. Yes, John has been trying to talk about this for 
last two weeks, and we kind of keep forgetting. So, yeah, it was on Netflix, and uh, it's uh, it's just a real small film written and directed by Joel Edgerton, who is an actor. You may have seen him in a couple of things. I don't know. Uh, Warrior. I think that was the big one that shot him. Pretty uh, popular. Yeah. Uh, Australian actor. Yep. I think he's big in Australia, probably bigger over there than he is here in he's America. He's gotten some pretty big roles here lately, though. Yeah. Um, but not really a household name. But uh, he, he wrote and directed this film called The Gift, and uh, just a real small um, film. Uh, I, I, I wanted to see it because it stars um, Jason Bateman, who I think is just a really solid actor. I mean... Yeah, me too. If you need a good comedic actor, Jason Bateman. If you need a good dramatic actor, Jason Bateman. He's, I think he comes through every time. Um, and this movie, no exception. Um, it's basically, it's a story of uh, Jason Bateman and his wife. They move into a, a new house in this new neighborhood. And this guy, played by Joel Edgerton, comes up to Jason Bateman's character and says, I think I know you. I think we went to school together. And he tells him his name, and uh, Jason Bateman barely remembers the guy, but um, the guy, he, he seems just a little off, but uh, friendly enough. He starts coming around their house, bringing them gifts, being just... Just nice, but a little odd at the same time. Yeah. Like, you can't say anything against it, because you're like, well, he's just maybe he's just an overly nice person. Yeah. But then the whole time you're like, there's obviously more. You, as a movie, you know it's more. But as the characters, they even kind of know, like, gosh, this guy's odd. The the wife is kind of like, well, you know, I was a little socially awkward, too. So she kind of relates to the guy. She likes him. But um, Bateman kind of wants to push him away, but doesn't want to seem like a jerk about it. And so it starts to create this small little divide, I guess. And um, it kind of goes from there, but it ends up being a, a pretty creepy movie. And... Um, the way that it kind of, the way that it comes together at the end, I thought was pretty well crafted. Yeah, I liked it. I, it's just a, <clears throat> it's it's just a really kind of a, a charming film. These small films that have small budgets and just a couple actors, but are well written. I really enjoy. Yeah, and same. this is one of those a good creepy kind of movie. It almost kind of reminded me of along the lines of um, like get out or something like yeah. that just kind of a small creepy uh, kind of film yeah yeah i i think i saw the gift in the theaters that was one of the movies that was subject to high expectations for me like i went in um it was one of the movies that was i think i you know maybe it was out a week or two before i finally went and seen it um i couldn't get away from the craziness of people talking about how awesome it was and so i, I went in with this huge i think i think you know the movies like even captain marvel kind of i went in with the expectations were too high for me. Yeah, you can't go in with real high expectations. Yeah. I, I didn't even know what it was about when I watched if it. If I would have went in like that, yeah. I probably would have liked it more. For sure. But I went in with these like crazy... Because people, so many people are talking about... That movie, you know, of the last few years that I can think of movies that I went in, my head was too big. And, you know, no matter how much me and you, you, know, me and you like movies, we have a movie podcast, we try to avoid... Sometimes you just can't. You just mm -hmm. know... And, uh, you know, another one was uh, Don't Breathe mm -hmm. that came out a couple years ago. I liked it. Mm -hmm. But, man, I, I went in there just 
ready to watch the next great horror movie because everyone was saying it. All the trailers were saying it. Rotten Tomatoes was going, you know, Rotten Tomatoes gets a movie that people are, you know, audience and critics are both, they're just pumping it, you know? Yeah. And that was another movie. I'm like, it was good. I mean, it was, I liked it quite a bit, but I went in just like, I wanted it to be my next favorite horror movie. Mm-hmm. I went in the same with The Gift. I like wanted it to be my next favorite thriller. But it was good though. Yeah, so I just want to back yeah, it, that it is totally worth a watch. Yeah, it's really good. And if you know, if you just if you find it on Netflix and you click on it and you kinda of don't know what to expect, it's 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 quite the Yeah, the yeah, film. that's good. I like your description of it and like you said, Joel Edgerton and Jason Bateman both good. Yeah. And uh Edgerton is as you were talking, I was trying to think of what else I know Edgerton from. And uh that movie Bright. He's the guy who plays the alien. Oh right, yeah. He's so made up that you wouldn't know. Yeah, it, it was one of the, that was one of the things I thought about. I was like, oh yeah, he's that guy bright. Yeah. Like, but uh, yeah, well that's good. Yeah, good good Netflix recommendation for sure. Um, the other recommendation I want to make, I'm hoping John John get around to watching it soon. But it's the documentary that won the Academy Awards for Best Doc was uh, called Free Solo. Uh, it's at Redbox right now and it's on Hulu. Just saw it got uh, dropped on Hulu. And, and that's, uh, that's a Star Wars movie. No, better than that. Okay, better than the Star Wars movie. Um, It's a really again another simple story of a guy named Alex Handel. So his name's Alex, and he's a free soloist. And I didn't know what free solo meant when I went into it, but it means you're pretty much a mountain climber without a rope or anything. You free it. You do it without any type of way to save your life. So if you fall, you fall. Like, that's the point. And so it's this guy, Alex, and uh, so it's directed by this guy, Jimmy Chen. He did this documentary I love. It's called Meru, and it came out about three, four years ago about uh, some rock climbers trying to uh, climb the mountain of Meru in a, in somewhere in Asia. And it was a, it was what they called inclimbable. And it's the story of how these three guys finally do it. It was awesome, because it's cool to watch people do crazy, over-the-top, but super talented things. And this is what this is. I mean, this guy Arnold is... So what the first thing you learn is that he is one awkward dude and just isn't socially there, uh, lives in a van by himself, and literally makes money soloing because he's doing it so often. And I think they said in the beginning that he's done over a thousand solos where he just climbs and, and keeps you know going. Never got injured. He's been doing it for like 10 years. So it's kind of this, you know, it kind of starts off as a story. So he has a he has a fascination with uh, Yosemite National Park, this uh, the El Capitan, which is like kind of the envy of free soloers. Like it's just a wall. That's pretty much what it is. And like nobody can free solo this. And of course he's like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna free solo that then. And he kind of talks about how about for about five years, every spring and fall, he drives to El Capitan. You know, because he can climb it, you know, once in a, you mm-hmm. know, he can get pretty far. Because watching this guy late, literally climb walls and make it look like he's like Spider Man, he just climbs them. And you're like, how the hell do you do it? Why doesn't he do it once with the rope? So, and see if he can. So, that's so that's where I was. So, that is the next part. So, he does that. Okay. I, I think, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of things he could do where he can just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he knows that this is so dangerous and so impossible that he actually enlists uh, another free soloist who is now, who's done free soloing because he's older, so he just rock climbs. Mm-hmm. Um, like, a guy comes and mentors him, and then this whole film crew <laughs> is following him. Like, probably five, six people, you know, on this film crew. 
And uh, he literally maps out the entire route. And they show him for a fall and a spring rope, rope climbing it. But they're, they, he, I mean, he, he memorizes the entire solo, which is 3,000 feet. He memorizes every single step from bottom to top. And he just runs it over and runs it over. He has a notebook that he hasn't written in, and he memorizes the entire notebook from top to bottom. Because, again, that sounds crazy, but then you realize, well, you kind of need to. You might die. You know, you take it. So then there's, like, they kind of, where they get you suspensed on is there's three spots in the, in the climb that are almost impossible. Mm-hmm. And there's this one spot where he, he talks about pretty much how he uses his fingers and toes to get in, like, I mean, John, the table we're sitting on is one of the uh, fold-up tables, so um, it has the crease in the middle. This crease is enough for him to put his foot and finger in to hold his body weight. He knows how to distribute, and this crease is almost nothing. Yeah. So there's a spot in the probably about the middle of the run <clears throat> where he's holding on these spots, and he he says it's a, it's the spot where and he explains it where when he transfers his body weight from hand to hand to foot to foot, half of his thumb is his entire body weight at one point. Mm-hmm. And he has to then jump, or either jump and grab a ledge, or put his foot out, which I can't show you, straight against the ledge, and then transfer all of his body weight with the pressure from his foot onto this ledge. They show him and these guys failing so many times trying to attempt this, yeah. they're like, this is nutso. You need to stop doing it. Right. So That's where I'd be. I'd be like, well, we tried... Right. It can't be done. Don't they don't stop? Okay. And then there's a few other parts that again, just watch the doc and you'll see. Um, but then the side story is, is that he gets a girlfriend, and it's kind of about she's a climber too. I mm-hmm. would think you would have to be. And uh, in the nine months they're together, he gets injured twice. He falls and crushes a couple of vertebrae in his neck, and then he falls later and like breaks his ankle. And he starts to have that thought of is this girlfriend like the reason why he can't climb now. He went nine years of free soloing and he never broke it right now. So they had this really cute relationship and then, you know, they openly talk to her about when he, when is he going to fall and die? Because then they go through all the, while they're filming, one of the, the one of the other world's best free soloers dies and it kind of like hits them. Like, we're sitting here at Yosemite trying to perfect the number one greatest free solo and like a guy he looks up to dies from free soloing. And, so then it, you pretty much get tensed up, and of course the buildup is to the actual watching him do it, you know? Yeah, that's, the last, does it. Yeah, that's the last 20 minutes, is him doing it. And you want to talk about so, your heart dropping through the floor? You kind of know. It's a documentary. He, he's going to do it, most likely. If he's not, he's going to fail probably doing a great job. And he's not going to die, because you, we would have all known that. There's no way this movie would have gained some recognition that it has if he was dead. Uh, we would have, I would have known that going in. So I knew most likely he was not falling and dying because the great, one of the best scenes in the movie is that morning he's going to do it. The documentary crew having the discussion of if he falls, what's our plan? Like, we're here with cameras. Do we film it? Do we continue to film like and they talk about who has what phone call, like what calls to make, who has to be called nine one one, who has to be where, the coordinates, like they're ready to go. And it's a weird conversation to see him have, like, you know, they've been with him for a year. 
and they're finally ready, and then they have to be like, okay. So he falls and dies, and we just filmed it. What do we do? Like, what do we do? So that's, that's pretty freaky. And then, so yeah, he, and it's amazing watching him do the climb because he literally gets a thousand feet in a half an hour. It is unbelievable how fast this guy can climb a, literally a wall. And um, they keep showing a lot of the crew. And there's, there's two guys on the ground that always have eyes on him and where he's at. And they're talking walkie talkies because they need to get the shots. And uh, they can't look. Because like one guy's like having a panic attack. He's like, "This is not." And I'm not gonna lie to you. When you're watching it, your 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 heart starts going because you're like, "This is nuts." Well, <clears throat> that part you talked about where he was failing again and again. Did he ever get? Did he ever complete that on the with the rope? Did he ever get? Um. So the way it's edited, and I have to remember. <coughs> um, the one thing because it's short. The doc's only an hour and a half, so it's really short. Um, I don't know if they show the full thing. He does get to the top. I don't know if he does it all in one long take. Like, I don't know if he does get from top to bottom without a single fail. There is one part where he, he kind of is starting to go crazy because he, he kind of tells the film crew at one point, like, I don't think I can do it with you guys watching me. And you could tell the, the director is kind of like, all right, we won't record you, but I mean... We would sure like to, like, and so there's one morning. <laughs> Just ignore he, the red light on the camera. Yeah, there's so there's one uh, morning where he goes to do it and doesn't tell anyone, and he he's like, I'm just gonna do it, so I'm gone. Mm-hmm. And he gets up at 4 a.m. and just goes and he gets about, I think he said like eight nine hundred feet up, and he slips on a part, and he just crawled right back down. And he went, I guess it's not today. And he talks about the party party slipped on. He said it was just a basic little part. And he's like, my foot just missed, even though a little part is like an indent in the wall, like that's a fourth of an inch. And he's just like, yeah, I just wasn't going to do it that day, I guess. I'm like, what? Uh, <laughs> I'm like, this is crazy. You, you slipped on an easy part. He, and when he gets to it uh, while he's doing the solo, he's just like, oh, this is the part I slipped on. And you're like, I'm not saying this whole thing isn't the most dangerous thing I've ever seen. But if that's the part that might slip you up. Uh, I'm looking at the rest of this mountain. There's a lot worse coming. But yeah, so I talked a lot about it, but it's awesome. And you would, I think you would dig it. And I strongly suggest everybody to watch it because your heart gets going in the last 20 minutes, man. Just, I snap. so my wife doesn't like uh, heights and I wasn't watching it with her and I snapped her mm-hmm. like a two minute long Snapchat. I'm like, look at this nutso. And she's like, I couldn't watch that movie with you. I'd have hyperventilate. I'd hyperventilate. I'm like, you probably would. Yeah. Because, but it's cool. I had a hard time watching Tom Cruise on the outside of that building. And, uh, watch this, (laughs) watch this when you know, there's no backup. I mean, there's nothing here. If he falls, he dies. (laughs) You say this got nominated for, uh, it won. Yeah. It won best documentary this year. Did they do anything interesting with the editing or anything to deserve that, or was it just the? Fact? Oh yeah, yeah. It looks no, it looks awesome. Okay. The, the camera work is spectacular. The crew does okay. a ton of work to make it look good. The okay. way they shoot the mountain and the way they kind of uh, sure. you you know the reason why the editing is good is you know by the end his route. You know, like what the parts are that matter. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting. Even when they're like, this is where he's at. Like the guy in the micro or the walkie talkie is like, he's finally at the fishtail. You know, they name every part. Right. You know that place at that point, which okay. is pretty good because usually you'd be like, "All right, I don't know what that is, but we'll keep watching." Right. So yeah, no, it's shot great too. I want to throw it out there. Okay. It's it's an interesting. It's not just static camera, static camera. Okay. Cool. Um, so it's cool. You should watch it. 
Sounds good. All right. Uh, that was it. That's all I had this week. But what else you got? Uh, I got a couple Thanks, others that I, that I watched that, uh, that I enjoyed. Um, I finally saw Rampage with The Rock. <laughs> uh, it's got the giant gorilla. Um, Based off the old games. It is. God, I think, those games are awesome. I think a lot of people don't realize that. I but love it. Yeah, there was an old arcade game called Rampage where <laughs> there was three playable characters. There was um, basically a King Kong ripoff a Godzilla ripoff and a, a wolf. And uh, so in this movie, that's what they've got. They got a giant ape, which they've turned to white, which I think they did probably so that, you know, it's not King Kong. And then there's a, sure. a crocodile rather than the Godzilla ripoff. Yep. And then there's the wolf. And um, I thought it was really fun. I enjoy monster movies. I've enjoyed a lot of the Godzilla movies. I thought this one was actually really fun. Um, they, some of the powers that the monsters got when, once they got big, like the wolf, he could shoot spikes out of his tail and stuff like that. Um, the alligator was really cool too. The alligator was super cool. Yeah. Is it the, the general gist again? I haven't seen it since the theater was like, there's a beacon on a building that they, that they want to destroy. Yeah. Um, so that's why they're all, the three monsters are all going into whatever city it is. Right. And destroying <laughs> everything. Yep, and uh, basically the gorilla is kind of the good guy because the rock can communicate with him with sign language, and he's the one that we get to know the most. And right. he's, he's kind of the he's gonna be the hero and hopefully destroy the other two. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I think of the last. You know, me and you were kind of joking uh, for a episode of the future, just going down Rock's filmography. You know, of of the. Of the filmography of his last probably couple of years, um, I would say Rampage might be probably up there of the better stuff. Yeah, it's fun. Um, the Rock pretty much plays The Rock all the time. Of course. But he's good at hey, it. If, you know? Hey, <laughs> if, if people are going to spend money to see The Rock, you're going to you want The I mean, it, he is... Who would have thought that we could still have a Schwarzenegger again? Like, honestly. There's always going to be one. There's always you know gonna, between you there's know there's always going to be somebody that fills that role. There was that middle period there. You know, when Schwarzenegger in probably mid nineties. So Schwarzenegger, what in the early mid nineties, he was he was teetering down. Yeah, you know the movies weren't good. He, John Claude Van Damme was off. So was Stallone was still there, but he was definitely but then we not, got like Statham. I was just going to say Statham was there, and yeah. he was almost like the to use a wrestling term, like the transitional champ. That's where you have, like, Hulk Hogan. He was, like, the placeholder. Exactly. Well, he didn't have the personality. He doesn't. You know? He has the personality to do suave, good-looking bald guy, which he is. Yeah. But that doesn't... And, let's be honest, Statham's not a monster. No. You know, Schwarzenegger was a roided-out machine. Yeah. And now The Rock is not a roided-out machine, wink, wink, because he totally is. Um, no, but, yeah, so you had that placeholder with Statham, but then when The Rock showed up, I think people thought it could happen, you know, Scorpion King and stuff. And then, like, Rundown came out, his first big one by himself, you know, and, mm -hmm. and they were like, okay, it's cute. And then, like, a few more came out, and they're like, all right. And then it was just like, I don't know what flipped. Fast and Furious sure helped, but then it just, now it's just... I think he just has the, the personality. Charismatic. Yeah. He's funny. He's funny to and, watch. And he's good looking, and he's huge. I mean, the guy, you believe it. <laughs> like... Yeah. The guy looks like he could take down an ape. He is a monster of a man. 
Yeah, he's actually a pretty good actor. I mean, he, he doesn't really play different characters. You know, like I said, he plays The Rock, but he's actually quite good at it. And it really shows in this one. Um, you know, he's doing sign language with the ape and stuff like that. And um, there's just there's a lot of good moments in it. There's like this moment where he's trying to fly a helicopter and he used to know how to do it, but he hasn't done it in a while. And it, I don't know, I just, I felt like he really, he was really selling, you know, the movie to me. He was really, he's good at it. Yeah, I think so too. You know, you know, uh, I've ever seen, did you watch his show on uh, HBO, uh, Ballers? Uh, yeah, actually, I've been he's, getting into it lately. Talk about good. He's good at that. Yeah, he's good at that. He's still playing The Rock, but at least it's a little different. Yeah. Like because he, he's kind of doing something that he could do. He's definitely in this world. He understands it. Yeah. But being an agent to like football players is like an ex-football player. Yeah, he used to play football. Yeah. It's cool. Like, I, I thought that was good. You know what, my one, so this, here's the thing about Rampage, if I, I'm going to remember right, the couple things I remember are uh, the first wolf scene where they, they set up just like, you know, six guys, big guns, all big monsters, mm -hmm. and like this, these guys, they just, it's great what they do with that. Like, how they set up this huge group of guys that are just going to, you think they're going to be a major part of the movie, like, and then that's. But it's always funny to me how, no matter what kind of weaponry they use, the monsters, it, it doesn't even seem to scratch their skin. Right. I do think that the the guns and things should at least tear at the skin a little bit. Okay. You know, here, so here's the thing. So I remember watching this movie. This movie is PG-13. You want to talk about flawed rating systems sometimes? This movie is so violent. Not only are that scene with the wolf and the guys crazy violent, and actually some blood, like quite a bit. When they attack the city, I mean, they are stomping on people, throwing them, eating them, tearing them apart. And then there's an ending fight scene where the gorilla gets impaled by a spike. Impaled, bleeding every... Mm -hmm. PG-13, I'm like, this is the most R-rated, I think, PG-13 movie I've maybe ever seen. Yeah. I'm like, I can't believe they got away with it. Because it's violent. Yeah. But fun. Yeah, it's a fun one. It's fun. Okay. Where did you would you watch that? Did you just buy it or no? I rented it from the library. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then uh, the other film that I saw, um, it's a it's about four or five years old. It's called Don John. It's a real small film, written and directed, and starring. Um, what's his name? Joseph Gordon Levitt. Jo yes, Joseph Go Joseph Gordon Levitt. Um. How do I even describe this film? It's uh, it's a very very sexual film. It's about a guy who he well he's from New Jersey. He's one of these kind of like if you've seen the Jersey Shore, one of these kind of guys that likes to put a lot of product in his hair and you know work on his body all the time. And um, he kind of talks with one of those Jersey accents and everything. He's one of these kind of one of these kind of guys. And um, in the film, he's he's basically got an addiction to pornography. Yep. And uh, he meets Scarlett Johansson, and he basically is head over heels for her, and he's trying to he's trying to make a relationship with her work. Um, I I really enjoyed this film. I enjoyed it for the performances. I thought it was very funny. Um, I thought there was a lot of humor in it, and I was laughing the whole time. It's it's real subtle humor, but if you understand like the characters and um, kind of where they're coming from. I thought it had a really unique sense of humor. Like, uh, Tony Danza is in this movie. Tony Danza plays his father. And uh, I thought Tony Danza was great. He's great. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the cast was great. Actually, Brie Larson's in this movie. Yeah, she is. You wouldn't know it. 
You wouldn't know it. That's for she sure. doesn't speak really, but um, <clears throat> she's she she acts with her 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 reactions to things. Yep. she's kind of she's always at the like she'll be at the dinner table on her cell phone, but she'll be like rolling her eyes at people and yep. stuff like that. Yeah, I thought it was actually kind of great, but um, yeah, I just I don't know how to describe it. It's just it's a it's a real small, really kind of charming film. Uh, I believe it's the writing and directing debut for Joseph Gordon Levitt. I think so. Yeah, he just he had this idea for this movie, and he thought it would be kind of funny to do um, sort of a, a romantic movie about a guy who watches too much pornography and a girl who watches too many Hollywood films and believes in like the fairy tale, you know. And he kind of wanted to put those two characters together. I thought it worked wonderfully. Um, I thought the ending came a little quick. It kind of felt like it just winds down real fast. But um, for me, I'd rather watch a movie that's enjoyable for the first 90% and has maybe a little weak ending than a movie that's got a, a good ending but is boring getting there. Sure. You know, a lot of movies are all about the ending. Right. This movie is more about the content, the characters, the performances, the dialogue, the relationships. And I thought it all worked wonderfully. I thought Joseph Gordon-Levitt did a great job on this. And I was so pleased to find this film. I really enjoyed it. I haven't seen it since five, six years ago. Mm -hmm. I just know I wasn't a fan. I didn't think it was funny. Oh, I, I was I, laughing I, the whole time. Yeah, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think any of it was that great. I, I, it was one of the movies that... And again, I, I'm not going to speak too hard into it because uh, I usually completely block out movies that I just didn't care for. And... Uh, yeah, I just remember coming out and I'm like, yeah, I didn't get anything out of that. I wasn't didn't have a lot of fun. Didn't, it was cute at points, but I got over it pretty quick. And I've seen that movie before of the guy who likes is addicted to porn. A girl comes into his life and does something to change it. Uh, that movie's been done a few times. Oh, not like this. What? What? what over the seen? top and not even big. I the thing I probably had it, and again I have to remember. Was the like I had troubles believing Joseph Gordon-Levitt was even a real person sometimes. Oh, I no, I, I bought it. I yeah. bought his performance. See, completely. again, and I can't speak heavily onto it because it's been five, six years. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just you know it's fine. It was, I don't, I had no interest by the end. Well, it for me, I felt dialed right into it. I thought it was very funny. I, sure. I understood the humor. Um, I watched one of the extra features after after watching the movie, and um, he talks about how he he wasn't sure if people would understand the humor in it. He, he thought that there was things that he knew were funny to him, but he didn't know if other people would find it funny, but um, it might be hit or miss for some people, but and, and if I'm right, for um, me, for I, me, it hit. I think the movie when it came out was a hit or miss movie. If I'm right, I, I, I yeah. can look up the Rotten Tomato score of the, both, it's, but I, it it's getting like about it 60%. Is that what it was? That seems right. Well, it's about the same as Captain Marvel. So right. Right. They spent a lot less money on this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, check out the trailer at least, and if it looks like it might appeal to you, I definitely recommend it. I thought it was, I thought it was really great. Yeah. Um. 60%? It's, for some reason it went up really weird. I think it was getting like 75 critics, 60 audience, something like that. So. Yeah, look, but, that sounds probably, that, again, that sounds, that sounds right to me. Um, and I'm not surprised, the, uh, 2013, yeah, 79% critics, 58 audience. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, that's good. Sure. For for a first time writer director with a real small budget, sure. I thought it was good. It's not that small of a budget. It's him and uh, he he got Scarlett Johansson to be in the movie. That's not that small of a budget. Well, I think they were probably the the biggest piece of the budget. I mean, you would you know, 
yeah, you obviously got to pay actors something. But as far as like, you know, it's just mostly just characters and dialogue. It's not, there's no big set pieces or anything. Sure. Sure. It's, yeah. it's a, it's a small, that's a small. Yeah, oh film. yeah. Yeah. Right. Sure. Um, yeah. Again, I, I'm not going to speak too much on it. I don't speak much on movies. I don't remember much about, but I really enjoyed it. Yes. It's a good library rent. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or it doesn't cost you any money. Um, I think that's it. I think it's even better than that. Really? I don't. I would, again, I, I don't remember, but it's fine. There's other movies out there, I think. Um, so, we're at the end. And I think yep. I'm going to talk <clears> a couple minutes. So, if you're done listening to us, shut us off right now. If you want to listen to our, like, three or four minutes of the couple spoilers that we're going to talk about for Captain Marvel, we're going to talk right now. Right. Okay. So, what do we want to say other than uh, Jude Law's a bad guy that we all knew <coughs> pretty much the second you met him? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so he's a sucky bad guy, and all of his little group of guys suck too. Uh, I just want to say that because that was like literally the biggest pet peeve of mine was we have Jude Law, you know he's a bad guy right away, and his group of people are the most uninteresting group. And then like at the end, like Brie Larson's gonna fight him all. Who cares? <laughs> I don't care. I'm done. I'm done with all of these people. Destroy them all, Brie. They don't matter. Well, that's kind of how I felt about the movie. Yeah, but... that's true. That was d- ultimate. Uh, I'm going to explain the Stanley cameo to you because I, I don't think you got it. Why would I? Um, well, first of all, have you seen Mallrats? Oh, yeah, th- I got that part. Yeah. Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. Stanley in the movie Mallrats plays himself. Yes. He had a cameo in that one. Yes, yes. And in this movie, because it's set in the 90s, he's reading the script from Mallrats, from Mallrats. and he's doing yes. he's practicing his lines. I thought it was hilarious. I'm not I sure thought, why. When you said it earlier, I, that didn't cross my mind, but I did know that, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought yeah, it was very funny. Uh, yeah, I heard Kevin Smith said he didn't know it was in it. He cried. Oh, I can just imagine. In the theater, he had no just, idea. I can so just he imagine. Bawling. Yeah. I was like, that's pretty funny that he didn't know. Yeah. it's. I thought it was... I was surprised by it, and I thought it was great. And sure. um, for you to say it was a throwaway. Yeah, earlier. sorry. You, you know, and I, I, I wasn't thinking of the Mallrats part for some reason, even though I totally knew that. Um, um, especially considering I was reading about this morning. I'm not really sure why. But uh, I think I was going to, I might have more or less mentioned, I think for a lot of people it's going to be a throwaway. Mallrats is quite Look, that cameo was designed for people that know Stan and are Stan fans. fans right. They're going to know that he was in that movie. That was probably his first uh, big theatrical cameo in something. Like, certainly where he plays himself. Um, this I thought this for the true fans. This was a wonderful cameo. Yeah. It was my favorite one that he's ever done. Sure. It was the most meaningful cameo that he's ever done. Right, that's true. I give you that. Yeah, I, I redact my statement now that I my brain's working correctly. I did like the opening, the Marvel opening where they threw Stan, uh, like just his oh yeah and stuff into the the Marvel Studios when it was coming up. You know, you yeah. know how they usually it's the superheroes, right? And now it's it was Stan. I thought that was I thought that was really good. Yeah, it was cool. Um, and then uh. I mean, what else is there to spoil? Uh, there's a cat that's a fucking alien. Not to swear, but my god, stupid! Like, just I just yeah. want to throw off on the on the on the fact that it's not that funny. No, its mouth like opens up and turns into an alien, and um, that's actually how uh, Nick Fury loses his eyes. The cat scratches. There you go. Oh, the and cat you scratches. Knew right his when eye they out. announced the cat, that that was it. Right? Did you think? Please don't be a cat scratch. No, I didn't think that. Oh, I did. 
All right, because you know they established right away that the cat likes Nick Fury. Nick Fury likes the cat, mm-hmm. and then they kind of didn't. He, he, what 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 happened to his eye earlier in the movie? Something happened to it. That he well, had, there was a car crash, and he he's walking around. He's got a, like a bandage. bandage above that's his eye. it. Because we all know that that's not it because the scar wasn't there. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and that's why when he had the cat, the scar obviously looks like paw, a scratch. Mm-hmm. And and then I'm like, oh no. I, I was just like, it's going to happen, and then it did, and I was like, that's weak. It was very weak. Very and then weak. The other thing that was weak was they explained how the Avengers got their name. Oh, yeah. he, he was trying to come up with a name for the for the team or whatever, and he sees a photograph of Carol Danvers in her plane, and on the side is painted her nickname, Carol the Avenger Danvers. It just felt really forced. Super forced. It was like they, they wanted some... Little it was just like the, the solo the... part. It was just like from a, a solo Star Wars story when they had to tell you how he got his name. Mm-hmm. You know, I well, I mean, like it's that. fine if you want to have a scene where Nick Fury comes up with the name, but I mean, can we come up with some deeper meaning than he sees he it on, sees the, side it on the, the side of a plane? And it's not even really established that that was her nickname or why that was her nickname. That's the thing is, I could I could see if it was the whole if there was a storyline behind it, like right, like her name is the Avenger. And then, that, that was important somehow. Then that would make sense. Right. I'd be like, okay, I can live with them being called the Avengers based off her nickname. But it was nothing. There's yeah. like, she had a nickname. I'm like, that didn't come up once. Like, like even her best friend. Probably, okay, let's just say that all the pilots had nicknames. You'd assume they did, right? Because it's on their plane. Mm-hmm. So her best friend had to have also had a nickname. Let's say if I was a... I, I, I play an Avengers baseball team where we all have nicknames. Guess how what I call all my friends? Their nicknames. You would think if her name was Avenger, that that's probably what somebody in the barracks would call her, mm-hmm. or else she has a nickname that nobody cares about. Which yeah, it obviously just, was it. Yeah, it, it just was a throwaway thing, and um, yeah. And the cutscenes too, where uh, the credit and credit scenes are too, like both throwaway. Yeah, there was nothing new There's added. Nothing there. There's the first one is just. Um, you see Captain America, and I think Black Widow, and um, Hulk. Yeah, and they're yeah. It's those three, right? I think so. And then basically, uh, they're trying to figure out. They're trying to figure out how that uh, pager thing works, right? right. The, the yeah, because they didn't know what it was. Or the point. yeah, like I wish I wish it worked, but it doesn't work. Right, and then all of a sudden they they turn and uh, Captain Marvel is standing right there. In the room. It's like a horror film, you know, where you turn yeah. and the killer is like right over right. your shoulder. Right. And she, <laughs> I don't know how she got in there without them knowing, but. Yeah, they have pretty bad security for what's going on. <laughs> I mean, not say that they're probably right. not three of the most important people left in the world, but uh, I mean, she just walked in and. She's standing right there and she goes, Where's Fury? And that's it. Yeah. That's the first scene. The we, second scene is uh, the cat coughing up the Tesseract. It had swallowed it earlier. Yeah, you know, here's the other funny thing. And this isn't to overthink the basic cat swallows the Tesseract, throws it out, but that's that whole scene. Was It ate the Tesseract because it's an alien, and the whole face opens up, and there's tentacles, has a huge mouth. That is what makes it make sense that the cat could actually eat this big square. Because it's, it's bigger than the cat. But then when the cat heaves it up, it comes right out of the normal face, right out of the normal... I'm like... Really? You can't? When it when it goes to heave, why wouldn't the tentacles pop out and it shoots out of it? <laughs> right? Like, am I, I, I know I'm overthinking it, but that was my first thought. I'm like, 
okay, this doesn't physically come out. I understand that the cat's an alien, or whatever the hell he is. But it doesn't work. Come on. It's a normal cat, that's the point. Until it opens its face up and it has tentacles. I don't know. Stupid. I, here's the funny thing. Uh, this is what I, I was going to say. I should have said this in the main uh, podcast, but before we head out. So I was in a theater of, I would say, about 20 people. Um, so movie hits, and you always have the two or three people that don't care about the end credits. They really don't. They get up and leave. So I bet you about two, two to four people left. That puts us with, what, 15, 16 people in this theater. Yeah. End credit scene hits. Boom. A couple people leave after that because they know that it's another five minutes before the, another one hits. You know, they don't care because they know they got the big one. And uh, I'm sitting there. Two more people stand and walk out. Another person stands walks out. I was the only person left for it. And I couldn't believe it because I went, that's probably not a good sign that you guys... I understand that you're now known for these things. You got to put more substance here because I was the only person out of 20 people left in the theater to watch this damn cat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is why they left. <coughs> I'm like, cause I could have, I should have walked out and Googled it mm-hmm. and then been glad I didn't sit there for five minutes. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It is what it is. But yeah, a little disappointing. I'm sad, but whatever, but that's it. We're done for this week. We'll be back next week. with some. New reviews and such. Yeah, thanks for listening. Listen to me, honey, dear. Something's wrong with you, I fear. It's getting harder to please you every year. I don't want to make you blue, but you need a talking to. Like a lot of people I know, is what's wrong with you. What you want, you don't want it. If I gave you the moon, you'd grow tired of it soon. You're like a baby. You want what you want when you want it. But after you are presented with what you want, you're discontent.